Kia ora, good morning and welcome to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. It is four past six on your Thursday morning and uh, uh, Dagger, you, mm. I see on the camera there mate, uh, we're, in the, uh, we're in the polo shirt, got your 3T cap on it, it looks like you're about to walk out the door and go play another round of golf. <laughs> no, 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 not today, not today. Hell no, I will get ripped apart. No, having uh, a day off, had a game yesterday, started well, ended horribly, but uh, we won our match, lost the big bamboozle, but that's okay. Um, it was an interesting day, you said a lot of wind. Man, summertime, you, you get, you know, the sun's breaking through the clouds, but there's so much wind around, it's... It's tough, but today we've got a beautiful blue sky. Tomorrow's nice weather as well, and then Saturday I think it's 27, so we've got a couple of good days of, of weather coming up in Christchurch. But no, not today. I've uh, got some jobs that I need to, to sort out, uh, a la irrigation, lawns, mm. paddocks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there won't be any golf, um, unfortunately, but tomorrow... I'm back out on the course. So it's, yeah, it doesn't take long. <laughs> it doesn't take long. And actually, speaking of golf, we got one of your uh, one of one of your mates, uh, one of your golfing buddies from the Hawks Bay on today. Yeah, young Zach Swanick. So I played with him um, a while ago uh, when he was down here in, in Christchurch playing for the Charles Tour. He's an amateur from from Hawks Bay. He's uh, Andrew Hinnard is his coach out of uh, the Napier Golf Club, and uh, he played. At the Australian Open, he shot five under in round one. I think he was tied. He was in the top ten. He was a couple of shots off the lead. Uh, he capitulated a little bit towards uh, the end of that. I think he missed the cut after the second round. He had a tough uh, day too, but that's okay. Going to chat to him about his future. He's a big prospect on the golfing ranks in New Zealand, and it'll be just great to chat to him after his probably his biggest career appearance to date and see where he is at with his. Uh, career, you know, everyone's the biggest question when you're an amateur is when you're going to turn pro, but I don't think anytime soon he's in no rush and uh, it'd be good just to really chat to him about, yeah, what does the summer look like for him next year? Has he been invited to the New Zealand Open? Is that something that he'd love to aspire and, and go be a part of? So really looking forward to chatting to young Zach. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Looking forward to that. That's happening after 8 o'clock. After 7 o'clock, Matt Reid is going to join us, uh, English uh, football writer, to talk about the Premier League. The two big games yesterday, uh, Arsenal getting uh, taken to the wire by Luton. It was 3 all deep in injury time. Arsenal won it was pretty much the last kick of the game. We'll talk about that. And the big game's coming up today as well. Manchester United take on Chelsea. Liverpool also in action. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Newcastle go to Everton as well, amongst others. So we'll, we'll get the lowdown on all those. And then at 7.40, Pete McGlashan as well, going to join us to talk a bit of cricket, mate. And uh, I'll tell you, I went to bed yeah. last night thinking, oh, we're, mm. in a, we're in a pretty good place here. We've managed to roll Bangladesh for 172. Uh, I'll wake up in the morning when we, you know, we, mm. we might be 80-odd for, I don't know, two or something like that. And I'd be, be quite happy with that. It was an eventful day one, wasn't it? Mm. Bowling them out for 172. The spinners having a huge influence on the game. You got Patel, 254, Santner, 3 for 65. And then obviously Clem Phillips, been a lot spoken about his option with the ball in hand. 3 for 31, best figures for the Black Caps. Um, but yeah, look, they're just putting themselves under so much pressure. The top order failed to fire again. 5 for 55. And a pretty um, eventful day one because you got Mushfika Rahim. And that bizarre dismissal, which was the correct decision in the end, hmm. you know, with the rules stating that you cannot handle the ball with your hand, uh, 
when it's heading towards the stumps. He was given out. He is the first player since Michael Vaughan to be given out like that. Uh, I guess the question is, in, in regards to that dismissal, it was the correct decision, but spirit of the game? It wasn't anywhere near the stumps. No, it wasn't near the stumps, but I will say this. Bangladesh dismissed Angelo Matthews mm. from Sri Lanka during the Cricket World Cup mm. by timing him out because he had a, a problem yeah. with his with his gear, with his uh, helmet strap, and so they appealed yep. and, and got him out that way. So a bit karmic, maybe? Yeah, karma coming back. Um, but, yeah. Well, you, I, was, I was doing some reading on it, and it was like, he's played 80 tests, Mushfika. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, well, in the nets, you can't see hitting the ball, picking it up with your hands, throwing it back to the bowlers. So he might have just had a, a bit of a mind blank. Um, but, yeah, like you see, a bit of karma coming back to, to bite them. So a bizarre day one, really, from the Black Caps. Obviously, Henry Nichols fell into fire again. He's been given the nod ahead of Russian Ravindra. But in saying that, Devin Conway, Tom Latham, Kane Williamson got a, got a start. Weren't able to, to survive. Daryl Mitchell's still available. Is he going to be the saviour again heading into day two? A big day ahead, but uh, conditions, boom, friendly. Yeah, what's going to happen when the pitch starts to break up? <laughs> oh, it's just going to be a disaster. <laughs> if, if, if day one and you're getting that, yeah. 15 wickets on day one, you know exactly this is going to be a two, three-day test, probably even two. It's going to be a short test, and uh, they need to dig deep. The Black Caps to to try and put some fight back into this game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because yeah, it's interesting what you said because I, I read that about the uh, oh he might have been trying to grab the ball like they're doing, but it didn't look like that to me. It looked like he was just deliberately mm. trying to bat the ball away from where he thought his stumps was. I think he lost he lost where he was. I think he thought it was closer to yeah. the stumps than it was. I think it was the, yeah. that was the problem. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it turned out too he was the top scorer. For for Bangladesh, yeah. so it was. I mean, I don't know. I suppose it doesn't matter how you get him, so long as you get him. You get him out, mate, and he was given out. So the rest is history, really. And uh, Thomas has come through with a little conspiracy here. Mm. Morning boys, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think Ration isn't getting selected in case he has a few bad innings. It will devalue him for the IPL auction. Mm. No, different format, <laughs> I think. Different format. But, yeah, interesting. Interesting idea. I, I, I was a bit uh, surprised when they, they only made one change, and that was to mm. put Santner in for Sodi. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah. Well, I, I'm not. I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised hearing Darren Mitchell's conversation the other day on the news talking about, look, you just got to buy your time. They're very loyal and, and trusting in the black caps, and you obviously have a few misses. That's not going to really... Um, dampen your selection, so he's just going to have to buy his time and, and wait it out. Uh, I'm sure next couple of innings they're going to get an opportunity he- or heading into the new year back home. You know, we've got our test against South Africa, we've got Australia, um, so there's a big summer of cricket coming up. But look, everyone's calling for it, and it's only a matter of time before Kerry Stead and, and Co. Have to crumble and, and make those decisions because yeah. right now it's not working. It's not working at all. That Bangladeshi innings, uh, I mean, they lost uh, three of their top four in single figures, uh, all out for 172. Those bowling figures again, uh, Glenn Phillips, three for 31 off 12. Mitch Santner, three for 65 mm. off 28. Ajaz Patel, two for 54 off 17. Colm Jamison, none for eight off four. How's this though? Tim Southey, 5.2 overs, five maidens, no runs, one wicket. Mm. Yeah, well, he's he's our 
he's our leader, isn't he? He's an inspirational uh, um, bowler that, that leads the way for the, for the quickies. Um, but, mate, they're just going to have to grind it out, the quicks. They're going to get probably very limited success on this pitch. Grind it out, give the, the rest for the, the spinners to just bowl in partnerships and uh, come in and odd the offer, odd their offer, uh, a little bit of service every now and then, and uh, hopefully we get the result. But, mate, it's going to be tough work. We need to have a huge day. You think about the tail wagging. Oh, they got to waggle. Yeah, they got to wag hard. Uh, I mean, this is what it looks like at the moment. Tom Latham was out for four. He was caught behind. Devin Conway was out for 11. He was bowled. Uh, Kane Williamson was caught in the outfield for 13. Uh, Henry Nichols uh, was caught in the outfield as well for one. Um, Daryl Mitchell was still there on 12. Tom Blundell got a duck off two balls. He was LBW. Glenn Phillips still is there as well on five off six. So 55 for five with uh, Santana, Jamison, Southie and Patel still to come from a batting point of view. All right, let's crack in to this. Round one, five. The three big questions of the day for triple threat. I see five of our Kiwi referees are heading up to take charge of games at the Six Nations, is he? Does that mean we expect European refs down here for the rugby championship? And is that a good thing for the players? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I, I think well, it just shows how high regard our referees are, are held around the world, you know. And, and the best thing about Kiwi refs is they, they actually officiate. They ref what they see. They very rarely go to the TMO to make any decisions um, and they love to keep the ball in play, you know, keep speeding it up because that's traditionally the, the New Zealand way. So I can understand why they're going up in the north. Are we going to see some, some Northern Hemisphere refs coming down? Probably, you know. You, you rely on heavily on, on Australian refs, Angus Gardner, um, Nick Berry, to, to carry the workload. Um, yeah, so I, I expect a couple of Northern referees to come down. Who that is... Well, that's anyone's decision, but you've probably got Matthew Raynell's at the top of that list, um, potentially to come down. A few of them have retired. And there's been a lot of chat in regards to referees at the moment, but, mate, uh, you can understand why they're heading up north. You've got uh, Ben O'Keefe, you've got James Dolman, um, you've got Paul Williams, you've got Angus maybe he's going to head up and do some TMO work, uh, I mean assistant referee work, and Brendan Pickerel also heading up to uh, do some TMO. And then you've got Holly Davison will make history as the first female assistant referee in the Six Nations. So there's plenty happening. Great opportunity for young aspiring referees. They need to go up because they're copping a little bit of heat at the moment and, and put some calmness back into the into the world of rugby. Round two. All right, question number two uh, for you. You, you. you take on this, mate. Uh, Eric Ten Hag, the Manchester United manager, has banned four different journalists, one from the uh, Manchester Evening News, one from ESPN, one from Sky, and one from the Daily Mirror from Manchester United press conferences because they are putting stories into the, in, into the press <laughs> Uh, that I, I think he's basically saying are uh, uh, inflammatory or divisive and maybe not 100% true. Uh, that's, the, that's the message that's being sent by United. Uh, for you, is that a sign of strength? It's, it is the sort of thing Sir Alex Ferguson had done in the past, or is it a sign that the end is near? Oh, probably the latter. I think controlling the narrative, eh, for Eric Ting Hag. Like, he is on the chopping board at the moment. 
Uh, he's pleading to his board to please show faith and, you know, a bit of calmness with what's eventuating there at Manchester United. Look, I think I want to talk to you about this this question because I feel no matter who is um, coaching this Manchester United, the Red Devils outfit, isn't going to have any success at the moment. You think United, they turned to Ten Hag after he led Ajax to three Dutch titles and two cups in the space of four years. They have had some very experienced, very successful coaches in the past. But every time they go there, they don't quite get it right. So for me, this has got to come down to a culture problem, mm. a systemic problem there at Manchester United that is horribly wrong. No one in their right mind can change this outfit from what, what they're doing at the moment. Like The players, they sound like they're pretty bratty. Yeah, what, well, do you, what do you feel? Yeah, well, I was interested to hear Nemanja Matic, the uh, ex-United mm. uh, midfielder, talk. He said because he used to be at Chelsea, he said at Chelsea yep. everybody knew what time they had to be there. Everybody was there. They had a, they had a really good culture, and and everybody basically went, "This is what we have to do." He said at United, mm. he picked out two players in particular, Paul Pogba and Jaden Sancho. Said they're always mm. late. In fact, in one season when he was there, it must have been I think it was under Mourinho. Uh, they had £75,000 in late fees, late fines, collected for the season. £75,000. Uh, see, that's, that, that's, the, that's all there in a nutshell. Money ain't a problem. Yeah. You know, oh, well, I'm going to be late today, but there's going to be, what, consequences of me having to pay a fine? Oh, that's okay. I've got plenty of cash. Like, that's 101 of a horrible culture. Yeah. No one's bigger than the team, and there's a lot of players here. I, I just feel like Eric Ten Hag's got an uphill battle. He's, he's climbing Mount Everest with the, with the environment, and it's been happening for a very, very, very long time. And I know the owners, the Glazier family, and, and situation that's happening in the back room is, is probably adding to this, but uh, he's under pressure. But back to your question, look, he's, he's trying to control the narrative. He's lost a lot of appeal out there in the public. People have lost faith. Um, so if you want to write your own script, then you've got to control the control the narrative, and that's what he's trying to do. This is what he's trying to do. It's interesting on Sancho because he's taken a really strong stance on Sancho. He didn't select him for a game against Arsenal earlier mm. in the season, and he was asked about it, and he said, oh, he didn't train well, and you've got to train well if you want to be in the team. And then Sancho mm. came out and called him a liar, said that's not true, and like actually called him mm. a liar in whatever he said in his Instagram post or whatever. So he was... He ha he was told he had to apologise to the manager. Mm. He's refused to apologise to the manager, so the manager's gone. You can't train with the first team. You go and train with the under 18s Off you go. See you later. <laughs> and uh, it's been three months, and he's refusing mm. to apologise. And Ten Hag's like, right, we'll just sell you then. Get rid of you. So uh, he's wow. he's trying to make the stand. Uh, it's just uh, how that is going at the moment. So we'll have to see on that one. Round three. Now, Izzy, I know you were away for the last month, but surely you were hearing about uh, Hamish McLennan, uh, the now-deposed oh, yeah. CEO of Australian Rugby. Uh, he did the whole, oh, we're going to go to the NRL and sign their best players. It was him and Eddie Jones doing that. <laughs> Has he started a war that Australian Rugby can't win with the NRL? Because we are now hearing that the big star, breakout star for the last year from Australian Rugby, this uh, Mark Noah Quinn, uh, Quinnatawase, is uh, leaning to go into the Roosters. Oh, he was never going to win that war. I don't even know why he jumped in the trenches with uh, the NRL. You know, they've got a ton of cash. They've got the best product in, in Australia at the moment. They are absolutely flying. And, 
when you're trying to take on the powerhouse, I can understand his reasoning trying to get some headlines. When you're connecting with the biggest brand, people are going to start talking about you. But the reality is, speaking to a lot of locals over there, none of them even know what the Wallabies are doing, who's in the Wallabies. I was talking to this guy in the outback. He said, I wouldn't even name no one player. So there's a bigger problem there in terms of rugby having a presence uh, in the media, but you just cannot win that battle. It has to start at the at the young at the young ages. Like no one's playing rugby there. The numbers are dwindling. There's not even I think rugby at one of the biggest schools in the Gold Coast has been taken out of the curriculum. So it's not even a part of the the school anymore. When traditionally they were very very good at rugby, um, it's just a dying, slow dying sport in, in Australia. And Noah Kintuasi is a very good player. The Roosters have approached him, reports that he's probably going to get 600000 He's thinking about it. He's just signed a one-year extension. I think the big question is Sawali. So, so, um, so yeah. So sorry. Is he still going to go over with the, the kind of carnage and damage that Rugby Australia is, is having at the moment? I, I can see him 100% pulling out. Oh, so can I. We haven't heard anything. Haven't heard anything. Is he still? Is that deal still on the table? Has he signed it? What's going on? Here, nothing. And uh, yeah, they're, they're they're fighting a, a losing battle. I think Phil Waugh wants out. Phil Waugh definitely wants out. And uh, you know, it hasn't mm. helped that um, like, was it last week or the week before. Nick Politis in an interview said, "Oh, you know, uh, Joseph. Yeah, no, he's he, he's already told me. Um, he's as soon as his contract with Aussie Rugby's done, he's back to the Roosters. I've got a contract for him from 2028." And that did not go down well with Australian rugby at all. So uh, oh, watch this. Why would you go waste that money for a small period of time when you could use that money to build the next best thing in Australia? If he's if he's saying that, you just you cut the contract now and move on. 